piece of advice I have for someone trying to succeed in the film industry or any creative space is if you're doing what everyone else is doing, you're doing it wrong. Welcome to Around the Craft Table, a podcast by film students about movies, making movies, and other stuff. Hey everybody, welcome back to Around the Craft Table. This is Season 2, Episode 8, um, and I'm joined today by my fellow panelist, Jermel Pasqua. Hey. <laughs> and uh, we're joined today by some good friends from all around the world. Well, like, sort of. Our good friend, Josh Hood, who's all the way over in Vancouver, British Columbia. Hello, everyone. What's up, Josh? I'm good. How are you? I am, I'm very good, Miranda. How are you? I'm I'm doing okay. And uh, we're also joined by our other good friend, uh, William Garud, who's originally from east coast of England, but he's currently in uh, the booming metropolis of London, England. Good old well, London town. Hello. Nice to meet you. Hello. Hello. It's good, to be fair. It's incredibly late here, but like the things you got to do to talk to people across the sea, eh? That's true. That's true. We're recording super early. Usually we record at like the same time you're recording, basically. I have no right excuse then. Sleeping, which is usually why we sound so tired and like bored, I guess, on this podcast. <laughs> Everyone's going to sound so awake this time. It's going to be great. I know. Um, so let's start off with you guys a little bit just to get a bit of a background on all of you and how you're involved in the film industry be that in a small way or a large way um josh let's start with you a little bit kind of what's your background in film why are you interested in it and kind of what what's uh going on with you right now uh well i started working in broadcast when i was around 15 years old volunteering with a local tv station and with them i i continued to produce television and edit television my last year there i basically became a, a freelancer with them and filled in for people when they weren't there. So I got lots of experience in television studios and in edit suites with cameras and producing lots of local television. Uh, after I did that, I moved out to Vancouver to go to Vancouver Film School. That's what I'm doing right now. I just finished producing my final project here and I've got two months left before I graduate. Yo, that's awesome. Yeah. Super good. So you you got lots of lots of experience leading up to doing the doing the school thing. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been it's been a good ride so far. Nice. And uh, Will, what about you? So, unfortunately, in the east of England, there isn't a massive market for like uh, even indie films or corporate videos or anything. So um, I knew I wanted to get to um, film school in London eventually, and uh, to do that, I had to kind of make my own sort of opportunities, make my own. Uh, way of making videos, if uh, you want to put it that way. So um, set up my own wedding videography um, company, uh, and we actually became semi-successful. Um, if I didn't go to film school, I'd probably actually be making more money if I stuck with that. But um, then I eventually, thanks to that, got enough experience in stuff like uh, client liaison and producing uh, larger scale projects and uh, even cinematography to get into Ravensbourne, which is a film school in London. Um, spent three years there, and I've recently just graduated this year, so I've just uh, finished my final project, finished my dissertation, and I've now, um, I'm now making my way slowly but surely into the, uh, into the industry in the UK. That's, that's awesome. It's painstaking, wow. but awesome. <laughs> we're, we're all so diverse in our journeys, and yet kind of at 
similar points at the same time. Yeah. Um, interesting. And, and uh, I'm sure our listeners kind of know, but Jermel and I both went to the University of Winnipeg, which is um, not f- like focused on film school, but it does have a film program. And, and Jermel's graduated from that, and I'm on my way to graduate from that. So we have a whole bunch of different perspectives on the panel today. And um, we're going to kind of go start with like the film school uh, topic a little bit and dive into that kind of like an overview of each school kind of like what they specialize in um, strengths and weaknesses that we've discovered and just kind of our kind of our takeaways from it so I don't know should be who wants to start talking about like what drew them to their school and kind of like what they they feel like they got out of it um, should we start with the University of Winnipeg <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sure. Start local. I think I think yeah, it'll start local. It'll make sense to do it local first, Sport local. and then we can go outwards. Um, so UW strengths and weaknesses. All right, here we go. So um, <laughs> got a whole list. <laughs> Stre- I guess I'll start with strengths. I was told that when you're you know talking about something, always start with the good and then give them the cons. So pros, I guess. Uh, strengths. Uh, they teach them pretty good theory there because there's quite a bit of profs who are actually active in the uh, Canadian film industry or some of them actually work on Hollywood sets that come to Canada. And because of that, they do offer some pretty good insight in terms of like what goes on in the industry. Um, That's true, yeah. What things that work, um, things that don't work, you know, they, they can give you some pretty good advice regards to how will you get a job or, um, you know, things that... They're pretty realistic about it, is what I'm Yeah, they're say. very realistic, so I was going to say, like, yeah. They, they straight up tell you, you know, the whole, yeah, if you want to make your own stuff uh, versus actually working in the industry, sometimes they're different. Like, I had a prof, her name is Shireen. She works in the industry. She's, like, uh, editor, producer, sometimes showrunner. Um, and she makes, like, reality-ish TV type of things. Like uh, mm-hmm. Polar Bear Town and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, Polar Bear Town. Yeah, Polar Bear Town. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So she's on that show. So there's that stuff that she makes, I mean, uh, that she works in. And then there's a the stuff that she does, like, as personal things. However, those two mm-hmm. don't really intersect. They're personal projects versus work. So uh, they're pretty realistic about that kind of stuff. So it gives you good insight to the differences between the two and how you as a individual can weigh that that out you know because you can make your own content or you could go and try work in the industry sometimes it do intersect you know it's a bit rare but it does um so yeah i guess that would be the main strengths and the other one would be you meet some pretty good people since you're surrounded by like-minded individuals you do find some people who are like uh, I specialize in cinematography, so you meet those kinds of people. And I specialize in acting, um, so there's that. Yeah. Uh, the department that we're in, it's a. This is both a pro and a con. Uh, it's a theater and film department. It's a pro because you're surrounded by actors um, in your that you can get in your shorts. It's pretty easy yes. to just, you know, get and networking opportunity with like them being so close. Like we all kind of have our classes in the same general area of the university so yeah and then you're you're around alum a lot there's a lot of mutual friends 
you know, friends of a friend of a friend and it's like, oh, that this person, <clears throat> I know him, he's an actor, mm -hmm. he's pretty good and he looks like he fits her or add a character you want. So then you get in touch with them and now you have an actor. So it's easy in that sense because you're, you're not, you know, scrounging for actors. It's pretty easy in that sense. Um, mm -hmm. but, I, but... but there is a con. Uh, if you notice, I said theater and film department. That department historically was a theater department. The end film part was only added um, over the past, I think, 15 years, 20 years, something like that. So it's very new. Um, because of that, it sometimes can feel like an afterthought. And this is a perspective a lot of fellow UW film people um, uh, have in mind because it, it, it does very much feel like this is a theater department. Also, we have film uh, stuff. That's what it feels like in terms of what they push, uh, in terms of job placements. Like uh, theater people uh, are really intertwined with a local theater company. The um, what's it called again? MTC. MTC. Yeah, MTC. Manitoba Man Manitoba Theater Company. Um, they're really intertwined intertwined with those people. So people in like lighting, people who are actors, actresses can get their uh, foot in the door. Uh, pretty easily in that sort of uh, industry. Whereas for film, there's nothing really like that. It's just, here's what we know, here's what we can teach you. And then once you graduate, you're kind of on your own. It's like, bye. But like, I'll, I'll, I'll just say that like, I think it is getting better. Like, I think Miles put in the chat on the producing end, he's like, I think it was developed in the 90s, um, the program for the, the film portion of it. And I feel like um, it's slowly getting better. Like this year, I was just going to say as well, and we can get into this more later, but like we had um, our prof was very like hands-on and very like very dedicated to um, Andrew Forbes. He was very like uh, trying to encourage everybody to like explore their individual interests instead of just teaching like this is a directing class. So you're going to direct a movie. It was more like this is a directing class, but like, if you don't want to direct a movie, you shouldn't have to direct a movie because not everyone's going to be a director. So it was really nice to have that approach because we don't have a whole bunch of classes where you can focus. So it was nice for that one class to be turned into something where you could specialize. So it's getting, I think it's moving towards being more of like a program than it has been in terms of like being recognized on like the university scale. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I went there because it's 15 minutes from my house, like walking distance. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'll go. <laughs> yeah. And and um, um, and I liked it and I like the community. But uh, yeah, it is. It does have a little ways to go with with in terms of being relevant there, I think. Exactly. So, yeah. Uh, and I guess the other thing that I would add to that is um, you do have like you get the sense that certain profs are i don't know they're all not equal i guess some profs will vibe with you really well and you'll vibe with them really well but uh you know without dropping names or anything i had a class that we didn't vibe very well with our prof so and vice versa because of that we didn't feel like it was as fruitful or satisfactory as um other classes we've had so there is, it is a bit of a hit or miss. And fortunately, if it's a miss, you know, that's a couple hundred dollars that you just used up. So yeah. there is that con to and, it that I should mention for my personal yeah. experience. 
And I guess I'll actually just to give like Will and Josh perspective. I mean, Josh kind of knows this because he came from the U of W before, but um, we have the way that the program works is you have one class that's required each year of the program. And that's like the only class that you technically have to take. The other classes could be like whatever you want to take at the entire university level. So, you know, you can take screenwriting and things like that, but those, those classes like aren't necessarily required. Um, most people do take them. And I think film history is the only other one that's required other than like the main three as you go through. But if you have your one directing class, like second year or third year, you're, you're stuck in that one directing class. There aren't, un, there isn't another class to move into and there aren't other classes to break up like your film experience. It's just the one class. Mm, that's, that's, so, that's really strange. Like, well, not strange. Yeah. It's, it's just very different to what I'm, what I'm used to. Cause um, yeah. the way that university, well, at least Ravensbourne works in the UK is that you basically, you don't really get much of a choice as to what you do. You prescribe to this, three terms a year of three preset modules that you have to take all three of them you don't get like electives or anything you just have to do what's put in front of you pretty much Mm -hmm. how's it like is that similar at uh vfs josh um it's it's different entirely at vfs i'm while i'm listening to jamel talk it's interesting because it's taking me back to my time at the ofw and it's vfs is completely different so it's it's kind of strange to believe that I went through a little bit of that too. Uh, Vancouver Film School basically works. It's just a 12-month program. And the first six months, everyone takes the same classes. And the classes are split up like directing and producing, um, editing and production design and cinematography. There's an assistant directing class as well for the first two terms. And for the remaining six months of the year, you get to choose two of those classes to specialize in. So I specialized in producing and post-production. So now for the remaining six months, uh, all I've focused on has been producing and post-production. You can audit the other classes as well if you want to. And if you really want to get marked, you can, but attendance isn't mandatory and you don't have to do the assignments. But basically that's how it's structured is that you, you specialize halfway through your education and you graduate with specializations in those areas. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty much that's what Ravensbourne has just moved to, which I find quite interesting because it sounds like what it sounds pretty much like the future of film education is going to be very much in specialisms because I think they've realised now that you can't really teach an effectively broad film production degree. I I feel, um, I think that you are going to have to have pathways like that where you can choose whether you want to be a producer, a writer, director, a production designer, because they're all so different and so many people do them differently that you're going to have to be able to choose early on what you want to do and then learn it very intensely and in depth in order to be able to do it well in the industry. Right, and I think that's Definitely. I think that's something that they've noticed in the industry with all the people coming out of film school. They're just generic yeah. out of film. And, I and then think they have that, to start learning whilst they're actually on set, which isn't yeah. so effective. Well, because once you take the time out to just specialize in certain things, you're just focusing on what you want to focus on. When you do just a generic film program, you're spending a lot of time on things that you know that you don't necessarily want to do. And that kind of can hold you back on the things that you really do want to do. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's naive to instill in the minds of each student that they're going to walk out of this an indie film director. <laughs> like, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. 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 Like, you can direct your own films with your own, like, 
you know, your friends and your little crews that you form out of school or with colleagues and whatever, and that's fine. But it's not like you're going to go to Sundance Film Festival with like your, no. you know, your feature length indie film and, yeah. and win. A passion like, project. Out of film school. I think that I think that's a common <laughs> yeah. misconception with film school is that they think that after you graduate film school, you're going to have the, the higher leg or something. Um, usually when you graduate film school, you're in the same place as if you didn't go to film school, you're working as a PA or an office PA or something low down and you're trying to work your way up because in the industry world, it's, it's not so much about where you went to school and how much school you got. It's about what experience you have. So film school can put you in the same place. A lot of the time, sometimes you meet interesting people, but. Yeah. And I guess like we, we could kind of segue into just the different opportunities that are offered like on a practical level through like each individual school. Like, um, like, I guess we can start with you, Josh, like what kind of opportunities have you found that you're getting through Vancouver film school that you wouldn't have got if you hadn't gone? Um, I haven't seen anything yet, to be honest with you, because I've still got about two months left. I'm expecting to reap some of those benefits uh, after I graduate. Um, but okay, I do yeah. know that our senior instructors of each specialization, if they like you and if they really connect with the student, they'll do what they can to place you in the workplace. Our post-production senior instructor all the time has people in the industry looking for assistant editors and they go to, they go to them first and see if any students have come out of the school that they can, they can hire. And that does happen uh, from time to time. And that does it's, it's an easy way to get your foot in the door, but really you have to get to know your instructors. You can't just skip out on talking to them. You have to build a relationship with your instructors. There definitely is opportunity to do that. It's just kind of up to the student to do it. Yeah. And yeah, that's definitely something that's like really important to do is, is build relationships with your instructors. Cause I think that really, it really helps your experience, like what you get out of it too. Right. right. It's, but it's also important to get to know your, your students a lot. Um, there's a 48 hour horror film festival going on here, I think. And, um, our, my class is trying to put one together, one or two. I think there are a few that have submitted, but you know, it's opportunities like that as well when things come up and if you're really great on set and if you really rub people the right way, they'll ask you to join their crews on that kind of stuff as well. And that's, that's a good way to keep making films and get out there. Yeah. One good thing like our prof did this year for for our directing class was we spent the first week, which was I, I think in total six six hours or so, just getting to know us, getting to know what sort of films we all like, the areas we want to specialize in, and just like kind of what each of our goals are when we get out of this, right. which was really nice because by the end of it, we're like all so close and like such good friends, and it really helped. Yeah, just make the experience like more. More rich, more enjoyable. Um, how many people are on the film course at um, UAW? By the time you end, um, my class was 13, and we ended up in the end of the year, I think, with 11. Wow. So that's that's real different, and I wish it was kind of the same, because on my course, when we started first year, we had 140 people. Oh and we ended with pretty much but at least 100. Year, right? We pretty much ended with at least 100, 120 so wow. my class can feel very impersonal at times. It's very much a sit and be preached to at points. So my you- my perspective has been very much the get to know your students side of things because you very rarely get the chance to be incredibly personal with your tutors. Do you find that a lot of different groups of like 
little colleague groups and little friend groups formed oh. in your school versus like maybe one entire big group because there's just too many to do that. Hundred percent. Like there are there are yeah. like fully known groups of people that work together and stick together, and that that started from like first year. So that's yeah. carried on all the way through and to third year where people are creating their final projects, those groups still pretty much stuck together um, to create um, their final pieces. So yeah, like a whole big group isn't something that my course has ever been. Um, we have been at times when um, we've had bigger projects that we need to do as a course to represent the university, but um, that's so rare. And half the time, mm. you know about 10 to 20 people and you'll know them closely and you'll work with them and they'll ask you to come onto sets and such. But um, rarely will people outside of that group contact you unless through word of mouth you've been recommended. Right. That's interesting because like my class, we all ended up, ex all, all of us except I think one or two people <clears throat> were like working on all of our films. Like we all helped each other in some way or another. And I know it might. It was a little different for you, right, Jermel? Because you ended up kind of coming out of film school with like a group of you three, right? Uh, yeah, pretty much. We that group kind of uh, became a thing during in twenty fifteen. So yeah, it ended up becoming like a trio of us that worked together all the time. We do have like a pool of people that we reach out to often, um, right? But as a core uh, of project, like personal projects, yeah, we I stick with them. Um, to other people for the most part say so the result has been the same for me because i'm now sticking with a group of well mostly two other people that i got along with better than anyone else and worked with better than anyone else on the course and we're now kind of spearheading our way into the indie scene and all trying to go our own separate ways in the industry mm -hmm. i think that's the thing that happens wow. at uh, any school though right all the groups kind of the class kind of splits into separate groups. My class yeah. is only about 31 people. I think it's at now. We started with 35. The class below us lost, oh, they must have lost close to 10 people uh, from the start of their year. Um, but overall, you know, there's six terms currently in the school. Each, of, each term about has 30 people. And, you know, of course, you kind of, the, the class always splits into different groups. I've got, you know, my little group of people and it kind of shows in final projects where people have split throughout the year. Sometimes those uh, relationships still work after final projects. Sometimes they don't. For the most part, they do work and you just keep working together after that. Yeah. Um, okay. So like, let's talk a little bit about like whether we think film school is like a requirement or if it's necessary Ooh. how do we feel this, this is about a good this? topic this, this is this is a topic that could be spoken about for because hours for the listeners like if there's some you know some young adult sitting at home that's contemplating going to film school what would we give them like what would the advice we give them having gone through it ourselves um some some of us to the end some of us are part way through how are we feeling what would you tell that young person thinking about it i really think about it like really Very think much. about it because film <laughs> like school film school isn't free right it's no. it's an investment both financially and with time and for me i i gave up a lot too moving from winnipeg to vancouver right there are moments in winnipeg with my family my friends that i haven't been able to be at because i've been in vancouver so you really have to think about it before you do it when i was thinking about going to film school i had so many people from outside of film telling me uh, everything about film school and the film industry and what their hiring standards were when really they had no idea. 
I think you kind of have to begin to understand who you can trust and uh, talk to people in film school, not necessarily the film school, because of course they're going to try and sell you their product, but talk to people at the film schools that you're considering going to talk to people who are doing the same thing, trying to make it in the industry. If you know people who are in the industry, talk to them. Film school definitely isn't a necessity for everyone. I'd say in Vancouver, it's, you know, all the people on set, it's about a 50-50 split between whether or not you went to film school. And again, it doesn't give you the upper leg if you go to film school or not. Um, it, it just depends on who you are personally and what you want out of film school. Nice. I, the one thing I would ask as well is, this is to everyone like here right now, if you were to go back and do it all again, would you would you go to film school again and would you go to the same school? I would. I'm, I'm happy I went to Vancouver Film School. It's, um, you know, because I, I did a bit of the UW and everything and I felt like I'd gotten what I, I could out of Winnipeg and, you know, Vancouver... Uh, still has a lot more than Winnipeg does in terms of educational resources. Um, Winnipeg is kind of far behind in terms of educational resources for film. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy I did it. Uh, I, I don't know if I do it much differently, but overall I feel like I, I made the right choice. Mm -hmm. I feel like if I was to go back to graduating high school, I would have maybe taken a year off and then gone to somewhere like Vancouver film school or somewhere else that is, you know, more advanced and stuff like that. I feel like I might've done that. Um, however, like the connections I've made, the friends I've made and like the crews that we formed, I feel like that's sort of invaluable. Yeah. And it would be really hard to decide between that because yes, there's still things I need to learn because our program is different from other programs and there's, there's going to be, bumps in the road, but I, I wouldn't give up the friendships I've made for for <clears throat> something else. Um, I am considering doing another education program after I get my degree, though. Interestingly, and, I'm, I'm in know, the same position. I'm now looking at other something courses. Something else, yeah, like something else might be in my future. Like, I'm not closing that door either, so um, it's nice to, it's nice to just have your options open. Um, obviously, like, financially, it is, it is hard to go to to a school like Vancouver Film yeah. School or Ravensbourne. So if you are considering doing something like that, it's like, just really think about it and make sure it's for you, you know? Yeah. Wait, that's a good question. Yeah. What's the name of the other school, Ravensbourne? Yeah. Oh, it's a fucking badass name. Holy shit. <laughs> it, commonly, like the amount of people that go, where do you go, Ravenclaw? And I'm like, hilarious. I haven't heard that before. Yeah, but... it sounds like, it doesn't sound like, it sounds fictional. No, it's a, it's. I'm gonna post a photo of the building oh, in uh, yeah. the chat. The so building is is pretty is pretty <laughs> up there in terms of being extra. The um. It's very extra. I walked by it and I was like, "Whoa, this is this is a building." <laughs> that's, that's the other thing. My uni is just a singular building. It's not a campus university at all. It's a it's a singular building. A singular where does Ravensbourne? Uh, where does Ravensbourne rank in terms of film schools in the UK? So it's it's considered one of the top ones, um, or at least was when I started. <laughs> okay. Um, so <laughs> uh, basically, in the UK, if you want to go to a public like university or public film school, the ones most people go to are either Ravensbourne or Bournemouth. Those are the two um, most recognised ones f for film because 
most people in the industry, if they hear someone's from Bournemouth or someone's from Ravensbourne, they will know someone who knows them, who knows someone who knows someone. It's very like incestuous, but hey, that's the film industry. Hey, incest is wincest. Exactly. Do you see the building? I posted a photo of it. Yeah, I see it. Extra, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but it makes me hungry. Like, it sat it right like next edible. to the O2 Arena as what? well, so it looks it's like an the edible, place. It looks like an edible, like, build. I don't know. If it was like, this is a candy place, I'd be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Is it just because it uh, looks anyway. a bit like cheese? It looks like futuristic cheese. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's, yes, yes. That's <laughs> actually exactly what it is. There we go. There we go, got it. Um, so I guess my take on that question that we just had. Film school necessary. Um... So for me, like, okay, as a whole, in general, I don't think it's necessary because you could, you're, you're the type of person that's pretty, like, uh, you have initiative. If you, like, if you say, you know, I want to learn how to do film stuff, you know, you, there's resources out there without going to film school, and then you could just go and learn it. Really? What? Yeah. Oh, like, my God. Are yeah, you serious? So I've just right? gone to film school. So then... Wait, I, I can get an education by going on YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> don't tell them. <laughs> The doctors don't want oh, you to sorry. know this. Doctors hate. Doctors no. hate. The one secret that film school profs don't want you to know. Nofilmschool.com. Um, so, I mean, if you're somebody who has initiative, who's like, you know what, fuck, I'm just going to learn on my own, and I'm just going to take a camera, get get some friends, make some shit. That's, there you go. You have your, that's your way you're learning. However, for myself, um, I'm not like that. I'm the kind of guy that I don't know what to look for. Uh, like, I look for it, but I'm like, I, I, I don't know if this is the right thing to be reading or the right thing to be doing. So I need, I learn better from uh, some, an instructor, uh, student sort of uh, relationship, where there's an instructor and, and it teaches you how to do things and tells you what to do, how to do things, yada, yada, yada. That's how I learn, because I don't know, that's just, how I'm, that's just how I'm conditioned. So because of that, film school for me personally was necessary, not because... Um, you know, I needed it to make it in the industry or because I needed it so I can go make money. No, it was necessary for me because that was the only way that I could personally learn properly. Because otherwise, I will probably just procrastinate, not do anything. I'll go, oh, I'm going to teach myself how to do this thing. Oh, but this video looks funny. I'm going to watch this video first. You know, like I'm that kind of person. So now suddenly I'm not learning. But in that setting specifically where you're in a classroom, there's a teacher talking and there's you have friends in the class who are like-minded and are learning with you, then yeah, I can get in on that. And I'm, I'm less likely to procrastinate in that case because of the context. But if I'm by myself in my room, you know, on my computer, I'm going to procrastinate. So that's, you know, that's my answer to it. Is film school necessary? Um, my answer is it depends. I, I do want to warn against the, uh, the YouTube education model. Um, yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I just because no, it, you know what? No, Don't it, do it, that. It, it does work in certain cases, but I, what I will say about film school is it's introduced me to a whole bunch of software I wouldn't have otherwise known about. And if you take the YouTube approach, you're kind of stuck in your own closed-minded world. So you know, film school isn't necessary, but if you do want to learn stuff off of YouTube, find other ways to learn it as well. I think the yeah. best way to learn is to just go talk to people, whether or not they're in the industry or they're joining the industry. Um, just talk amongst your friends who are also interested in film, uh, see what they're doing, uh, and even like go be a PA or something. That's a decently easy job to get, and you learn a lot about the process of things during. Just make that. sure you can make a good cup of tea. 
Yes, that's important. And remember people's tea orders. Remember people's tea orders. Don't ask twice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's a really good note to leave off on before we go to break. But I'm just going to say to you that like going to film school is, I think, invaluable in the sense of the networking opportunities that you get. Because... Yes, you can make movies on your own, and yes, you could learn on your own, but no one can make a movie all by themselves. Like, they can, but it'll be really bad. So get your friends in on your movie-making team. Get everybody in a position. You know, share the share the glory. Share, like, all the talents between a team because it really does, um, you know, it just helps. It just helps having friends yes, and this is true. having like-minded individuals. Like even in the brainstorming stage with a script, like it just, it makes it so much better if someone else can look at it and be like, wow, you're really tunnel visioned. This script sucks. And then you're like, really? And then you're like, oh, and then you make it better. Yeah. Wow. So that's actually wow. a really good advice too. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta find people that specialize in other aspects because uh, early on, <clears throat> a lot of students fall in the trap of like, oh, it's not really a trap. It's more of a necessity where you wear all the hats. But obviously you can't be wearing all the hats all the time because it's just not, it, it'll stretch you out, you know? So you need people to wear the other role, other hats in the, uh, in the production process or, and so on and so forth. So you need somebody to be a cinematographer. You need somebody to do a boom, uh, the sound for you, so on and so forth. So oh, in summary, Go to film school so you don't have to wear hats. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. a little bit about I think I missed this portion of what should have been the beginning of our show but it's going to be the beginning of the second segment so um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about both of our guests today and kind of like what you guys are like aspiring to be in the film industry like if you actually know um, just so we can get a bit of a context like as we dive into like indie film and just like the film industry in general in our respective areas what is your specific area of focus that you're hoping to get into? And also like, what are some of the genres that you're interested in, um, uh, in film? So Josh, let's start with you. Well, I think, I think my long-term goal is to be a TV showrunner. Um, I really love writing a script and just seeing the story arc from episode one to whatever the season finale is. And I like, I like the logistical side of producing too. That's my long-term goal. Um, 
in the meantime, I'd like to try and get into script supervising and do that for a few years because it's something I, I've really enjoyed. It's something I've gotten a lot of practice with at Vancouver Film School. I wouldn't have known much about script supervising if I didn't come to Vancouver Film School. So there's a bonus. Um, but, and you know, so I think that's kind of the path I'd like to take after I graduate is I'd like to start off trying to get into script supervising, which will probably take some time. Then eventually long-term goal is TV showrunner. Nice. And uh, Will, for you? So um, throughout the majority of the latter portion of Ravensbourne, I was very much um, a first AD on pretty much all of the shoots I did. So um, that's where I'm currently at on the indie level of things. When it comes to trying to break into the uh, more high-end stuff, I, uh, I'm currently more a production assistant with a focus on scheduling because they know I used to AD, so I get lumped with the job that most people don't like doing. Um, but um, my aim is to currently start working my way up there and eventually get into the like more established realms of uh, the production office, whether that be as um, a assistant production coordinator or anything along those lines, that might be where I end up going. But um, I'm currently keeping my options very open because um, I don't know where I want to go yet because still on smaller projects, I'm very much a writer and I'm very much a a person that loves to uh, direct people. But whether I'm going to be a director or not, I probably won't be because that's the dream everyone has and that normally doesn't actually happen, which was a sad revelation I had in in film school. Uh, My heart got broken. (laughs) But um, uh, everyone learns that the hard way. Um, If you're planning on being a director, uh, keep going, obviously. Try it, but uh, be, be prepared to seek work elsewhere um hence why i then became an assistant director because uh first of all i made the stupid mistake of thinking it was something creative it is not um but then i ended up liking it anyway because i have a power complex and like making sure things are done on time (laughs) nice yeah i find i'm mostly sitting in the assistant director's chair now too or like production coordinator that's kind of where i've kind of drifted to i like directing and writing but yeah, I'm usually like whenever I'm on someone else's set, that's usually the role I'm in, which is which is great. I like, I also like having a bit of control and being able to be like a strong support to somebody that really needs strong support. Yeah. When you're directing, you really need a strong team behind you, and I like being a part of that. Um, and then I guess Jamel, what would you say like writing for you or? Me? Yeah. So. Yeah. <clears throat> I direct out of necessity if that is before on the show. Uh, it always was something that like. Because I, I want to be a writer and eventually a showrunner too, like Josh. Um, that's my yeah showrunners. Woo! Like damn showrunners. Yeah. So then I or like a feature script writer, I guess. Either way, really, but something with writing is what I want to do. Um, that said, I realized early on during film school, I had a bunch of scripts written, or like I have a bunch of ideas, but I'm like, well, now these scripts are just sitting in my hard drive. Now what? Um, so I was like, oh, I actually, I gotta go, gotta go direct these. That's when it started. And then I ended up learning more about production and then subsequently post-production. Um, that said, yeah, I'm definitely more of a writer focus. And then I also really like picture editing. Um, there's an argument to be made that picture edit is the last rewrite. So it's interesting in that sense. Um, but in my yeah so that that would be like the focus that i have a tendency to lean towards Mm -hmm. nice awesome so let's go into indie indie world indie world 
in respective areas of the world that we are residing in, also just on a grand scale. So how challenging is it to break into the indie film scene, maybe in contrast to the more corporate film scene or just in general, guys? Like, I think it's at the same time easy and hard at the same time because sometimes there's like these little opportunities that'll just kind of come up and you're like, Oh, I'm on an indie film now. And then it's over. And then you probably won't be on an indie thing for like two years or like, then you'll be on an indie thing in like six months, but it's not consistent. Um, but it's, it's normally like, at least in Winnipeg, the same people working on the same stuff every time or like there's, there's indie with more money and then there's indie with like no money. And there's kind of like, it's very different. It feels very different. In, in Vancouver, it's, it's uh, categorized a little bit differently, at least by me. Um, mm-hmm. Indie with money is just considered indie here. Uh, in, by Winnipeg standards, money. Um, and then uh, indie with no money is just guerrilla filmmaking here. I think, yes. a, lot of yeah. what, I think yeah. a lot of what goes on in Winnipeg is more similar to guerrilla filmmaking. Because uh, indie filmmaking here, you're still getting your permits and you're still doing all this stuff that, you know, indie films, at least I haven't seen traditionally do in Winnipeg. Um, you know, they, they're treated like they're feature films. They're just produced by independent people and the people working on them. You know, it definitely is um, a way to start uh, in Vancouver to work on an indie film, but it definitely is a whole new level of um professionalism than than what i've seen in indie film in winnipeg uh, i think it's definitely it's easier to make it in the indie world than the corporate world because to get into the indie world anywhere you just need to know a few people who like you yeah um in yeah. the corporate world you need to go through interviews and you really have to find someone who trusts you because then money starts getting handed over so i think the indie world is a great way to kind of get started in vancouver i know in winnipeg too tv movies is a great way to jump from indie to corporate and they're kind of like indie because they're lower budget, but they're not independently produced, but it's another option too. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Because like, there are films in Winnipeg that, you know, you, you know that they're indie, but you know that the filmmakers like assembled like at least a 30 person crew and they have a couple million dollars and they're working on it. And it's, it's really hard to get involved in those crews because they're pretty established and tight knit with like the filmmaker and just their really close collaborators. Yeah. But then you will get the little random guerrilla shoots that are trying to do something on no money. So they'll hire a whole bunch of students to help out. Um, and that can either go really well for you or can they could, you know, you'll end up being taken advantage of. And there's a couple situations where we can talk about how that happens. But um, it's definitely like there's a bunch of different levels of what people consider indie. Will, what about you? Like, what's it like in London? So, like, in London, it's kind of, the indie scene is, like, one, oversaturated, and two, never-ending. Um, there are so many people in London that want to make a film but don't have the right people to do it. So you will always find, so long as you know where to look, opportunities arising. And in London, you can break onto the indie film uh, scene pretty much any second like people can come to you or you can just as easily go out and find something to to go on to and these are going to be like micro budget shorts or even slightly rarer micro micro sorry or even rarer micro budget features um and there's roles for everyone in that albeit like lower down and not hod level um 
there's so many opportunities it's unreal like it's how I've gained most of my experience outside of film school is just going onto these shoots uh, being brought onto them by friends of friends or even on forums or social media seeing opportunities that I feel like I could fit and going and taking them um, in terms of like the corporate scene in London um, if you're not part of an agency or a production company that is established you are not going to be making corporate videos for anyone because they will just go to the established companies and you need to get in with them first, the established production companies, in order to get any form of paid work, really. Unless Interesting. unless there's like startups that can't afford those companies, which are rare. Um, you, and also there's high demand to snap up those smaller ones as well. The corporate video scene in London is so unbelievably hotly contested that it's very rare that you'll actually get anything. We, we have this thing in Winnipeg called like the Winnipeg Audition Network, and we also have some resources online for filmmakers that are on the crew side as well. Do you guys have stuff like that in uh, London, like Facebook groups and things like oh, that yeah. that people are all talking on? Yeah, there's countless ones. My favorite one is um, one called Last Minute Film and TV Positions because it's where people have just dropped out of sets and there are desperate producers going, please, for the love of God, will you help? And um, that's the best time to try and get work, especially if you're breaking out, because they will take pretty much anyone who can do 2 plus 2. Um, but there are also uh, slightly more um, tailored ones. So I'm part of a, an assistant directors group as well. And they will, mm. they will constantly post uh, at the beginning of productions um, that they're looking to start something and they need someone to, to help them along and partner with the producer or the UPM. So yeah, there's, there's plenty of resources online. And there's even like nice. forum posts because I don't know if you guys have like established websites as well because we have stuff like My First Job in Film, which we use quite a lot, and the um, the Mandy Network as well, which is less common, but people use. It used to be Casting Call Pro, but it's um, those two are like big websites that people will use to try and crew up. Cool. I'm just looking up some of these. The Mandy Network? Yeah, um, that's the oh, I see less it. Uh, used Mandy.com. <laughs> yeah, Mandy.com. It sounds like it's the most like highbrow drug dealing ring ever. Wow, okay. Oh, this is this is cool. Yeah, her, yeah, yeah we don't I don't think we have anything like this. Um, yeah. I know that at they they do have a Canada wide thing called uh, casting workbook. Um, at Vancouver Film School for our final projects, we get special access to it for thirty days for casting. Uh, they do non-union and union. Big production companies use them. CBC uses it for their shows. It exists for Burden of Truth in Winnipeg, so it's a thing in mm-hmm. Winnipeg. Yeah, um, but is. it's it's where they cast, you know, their day players mainly in Vancouver here, and where CBC casts all their day players as well in Toronto and Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah we get a ton dailies. of we get a ton of productions from the states coming up to shoot in Winnipeg because it's cheap to shoot here. So we get a lot of Netflix shows. We get a lot of um, Netflix um, Hallmark movies or Netflix original movies. We don't tend to get like a ton of television shows. It's, but we do it's get... changing because Channel Zero yeah. was shot and Burden of Truth is shooting its second season yes. right now. Yeah, there's those two. What I will say about Winnipeg is I'm pretty sure right now there's more Canadian things filming in Winnipeg than there are in Vancouver. Um, if you want to, yeah. that's, that's why the indie scene is so popular in Vancouver is because there's nothing Canadian that shoots here. It's all American. So if you want to make things in Vancouver, you basically have to do it indie. 
One thing I also find interesting is um, in Canada, do you have any forms of like government funded or sorry, government run funding projects for films? Because in London, we've got um, the Film Council and the Film Network will run um, opportunities for you to pitch scripts and ideas and they can give you funding for like micro shorts. Yep. Uh, there's a program called Microwave and there's uh, funding for um, features as well. Yep, we have a ton of like um, grants. We have like uh, grants you can apply for like through Telefilm, like for the micro budget shorts, or you can do um, what are the other ones? There's um, a few film group ones. Uh, what if like film group? If you want to talk more locally, um, yeah, I'm assuming Vancouver has their own version of it. Vancouver doesn't have its own film group, to my knowledge. They have a ton of support though in terms of uh, indie filmmaking. They have Tell a Story Hive is a big one uh, that gives quite a bit of money to independent projects. One of my instructors, Joel McCarthy, did a web series funded by Tell a Story Hive. I'm not actually sure how much he got out of it, but it was in somewhere in the thousands. Um, it wasn't more than, uh, than, you know, in the 10,000s. But it's currently playing on Air Canada, uh, their entertainment system and everything. Uh, won the Leo Award this year, but there's lots of entertainment or yeah, lots of entertainment support for indie film like that in Vancouver. But it's stuff that you have to enter into, and the competition definitely is a lot greater than there is in Winnipeg because there's so many people trying to vie into it. What I will say about Winnipeg support is uh, Manitoba Film and Music uh, offers things to productions that you know BC doesn't even compare to. Yeah, so Manitoba Film and Sound like helps support a lot of like the other the smaller funding partners that do hand out the grants, I'm pretty sure it's like, they're like the, they like decide what sort of programs are offered through like those other bodies. And then you're able to apply through that. I think that's how it works. Yeah. Like Manitoba film and sound decides how much telefilm gets to offer for production or something like that. Like it's, there's some sort of like hierarchy in how it works. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because like in Winnipeg too, like if you have like there's different production houses, like there's like Buffalo Gal and Frantic and, um, you know, you've got all these different like Frank Digital or whatever. And then if you can, you know, partner with them on an idea, like you could always pitch to them and they can decide whether to support that or not. Because um, I think especially like I know like because Josh, you have experience with Shaw TV and like working with yeah. them. But I think Buffalo Gal has a similar thing where like they will help you make your movie if they are really on board and if it'll like, if they think it'll really take off kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all kind of like up to you and how assertive you are and also how good your idea is. Yeah, there are options. Work for there are it. options anywhere you'll go. You just need to yes. find what they are and uh, see if they're looking for stuff you want to create. There's also a lot of opportunity in Canada specifically for French language film. And I know they they there's a lot of money in French language films um, out of Quebec. Oh, so, you guys have got a rain in Quebec. Every single film I see now has some filmed in Quebec logo at the end of it. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, so, so over there, like, um, I know we know filmmakers that have gone over there, that have moved there, um, who have applied for grants to get friend, like to get their films made in uh, French, and it actually they, they like there's a lot more opportunities for that because there's less of people applying to do that because uh, you know the majority of people here do speak English, but they're you know Quebec, so 
it uh, it's all relative and it all works out. Um, but yeah, so yeah, how um, I guess Josh, this applies more to you than well, it might apply to Will as well. But like, kind of like, what are some of the merits and drawbacks of studying away from potentially your intended base? Or not your intended base, like maybe like if you're choosing to go to school and you're choosing to stay in that area, or if you're going to school somewhere else and then returning somewhere else after school, like how does that kind of, how does one make that decision and how does that sort of impact you? Well, I think the decision of like whether or not you're going to stay is, um, is kind of made during your year, right? I think, or during your time at school. And based on your experience here, I know um, currently I'm not planning on staying in Vancouver after I graduate. There are other people in my class who are considering going back to where where they're originally from. There are many people who hate where they're from so much that they just want to get out and stay in Vancouver. Um, I think some of the challenges that I've had to face personally, uh, again, is just being away from home, you miss things that that you would be at otherwise. Uh, big family mm-hmm. things and things with your friends. Um, one of my friends was just accepted into a school in Ottawa, and I'm lucky enough to go and say goodbye. But I, you know, it, I feel like I wasn't there during that process, and I haven't been able to spend as much time with them as I'd like to before that. So you miss out on a lot of things and sometimes it can feel lonely, but other times, you know, you, it really reminds you why you're in it. If you, if you really love what you're doing, uh, it, it'll feel like the right choice no matter what. So in England, it's pretty much a no brainer. Unfortunately, most people do move to London. Uh, well, move to London in order to make films. And most people don't leave simply because films aren't really made anywhere else unless you're in an, a union or an agency. Um, so I personally don't actually enjoy living in london that much it's very loud it's very busy and i'm from the countryside and those are two things the countryside are not and um the but the thing is i i make that sacrifice because i want to stay here and i want to continue what i want to do i want to make films and um that is just a kind of a sacrifice you have to make like josh was saying yeah exactly you miss out on a lot of stuff back home i really really miss back home because it's very it's very quiet all my family are there my friends from uh high school are also back there but um yeah i kind of need to stay in london intensively for the next couple of years to get a grounding get get a decent list of hgtv or uh, feature film credits behind me and then i could possibly move out of london in order to uh, work on stuff I'm called to elsewhere in the country but for now I have to in- stay here because if anything pops up short term I need to be one of the few that can immediately go yes of course I can be there yes of course I can help in order to get my foot on that ladder mm-hmm. how, uh, how do each of you feel about like working internationally in a different place oh, would you move <laughs> for work absolutely I would I've thought a lot about going to the United Kingdom to, to mm-hmm. do some TV work there. I don't want to do London because I agree it's way too loud and way too busy. But definitely places like uh, Glasgow or Cardiff, like I'd, I'd really consider yeah. that. Yeah, or even have you considered Salford or Manchester at all? Manchester I've thought about. I like Manchester a lot. Because like the whole of the BBC is there now pretty much. And I think yeah. I think other companies aren't going to be too far behind in all honesty because um, Salford has now just become pretty much our TV hub of the UK. Like there's still a few, there's actually still quite a few uh, 
broadcast houses and like uh, TV production studios in London. But uh, yeah, you're right. If you don't like loud and busy, uh, do not come to London. <laughs> what I would say about the international things I've looked at, all the different places, um, I don't think would be a permanent thing. I'd like to do it just for like 12 to 18 months because different uh, employers have options to do it just for 12 to 18 months because projects begin and they end. I think I would always kind of like my base to be in Winnipeg just because of how affordable it is and how familiar it is and how easy it is to settle down there. But I think I'd like to just, you know, (laughs) but there's nothing stopping me from, there's nothing stopping anyone from going and exploring options elsewhere and exploring because we're at the, we're at the perfect age to do that, to go travel and try different things because, you know, we haven't settled yet. So why not? Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've actually never considered it in terms of working internationally. I've not, I've actually never left the country or been on a plane because, well, I just haven't really felt the need to yet. Um, Britain as a country, or England as a country, sorry, I'm not going to talk to Scotland. Um, England as a country does have a lot of resources and in terms of like the arts, uh, or it did until a certain government took power. But anyway, a different topic. Um, uh, it's slow, it's dying a slow death, Shade. but oh well, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, uh, but yeah, um, I've never actually considered it, but later on when and if I become successful enough in the industry to be granted the opportunity to work internationally, I definitely, definitely would. Or you could just let it come visit your friends. I mean, I am planning to come to Winnipeg at some point. Like, you know, I just need to actually, like, get on a plane and see if I, like, immediately die. Yeah, I'm probably. Gonna, yeah, pretty probably will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it I'm not going to cross the... Oh, God, I forgot which ocean it is. Atlantic? Pacific? What is it? It one is in, the Atlantic. It's the Atlantic. The Atlantic. Yeah. What is it? One in which however many planes will crash and you will die on? Like, you said will twice in that sentence. It's it's cursed. Why would you say that? It's, it's, um, one, it's one in one plane. That's one of the planes. Well, I'm never coming. Oh, I'm never coming to Winnipeg. Sorry. It trashes. Well, to be fairly honest, um, uh, a film that I produced has gotten into Buffer in Toronto, so I might <clears throat> might head over with the director if um, if I can muster up enough valium to knock me out for the whole what, flight. Uh, where, where did it get into? You m- you uh, mean you are coming? Not, not my. You're going to come. Well, I might because this is the thing. I'm tempted, and but I'd also have to raise the money for the flight and stuff like that. And also, um, uh, another film I was assistant director on might be getting in this year. I don't know if the director is submitting it um, this year or next year. I don't know which one he wants to do. Uh, the festival is Buffer in Toronto. It's it's mostly a YouTube um, like based festival, but it's it focuses on all of the bigger creators and the projects they make and I help out with a couple of those. I see. Nice. Makes sense. Yeah. So I might might be heading on a plane and flying at a gazillion miles per hour towards Toronto. Just going to Oh, Miles Miles says that the odds are one in eleven million of dying in a plane crash. He's well, fine. I got, I like I got the first digit right. I got the first digit right. I'm not a fan of yeah, those odds. Yeah, so you said one in one, not one in 11 million. Well, it's, so it's that's still a, a one. Difference. It's still a one. But I haven't right, been on a plane right. in a very, very long time, and at least 11 million, a million flights have probably taken off in that time. Yes, but the odds of that one in 11 million being your plane is one in 11 million, so don't worry about it. <laughs> um, so uh, that's interesting. Jamel, how do you feel about working internationally? Well, I would... I'd probably do it. Like I would do it to Josh. Um, 
I seem to be agree with a lot of Josh's ways, actually, now I think of it. Um, <laughs> Hi, Josh. agree with Josh's ways. Yeah. yeah. Like, the whole 12 to 18 month thing? Yeah, I would do that and then have Winnipeg as the home base. That is pro- probably the exact approach that I would take. Um, something that, like, I don't know if I actually consider it, but, you know, as someone who used to live in the Philippines, obviously there's a, um, a bit of a TV film industry there. I know nothing about it, though. I just, my parents watch a lot of shows and soap operas and shit like that and movies and movies a lot of they make a lot of romance movies back there um (laughs) and something that they've always told me was like oh why don't you would you consider going back there maybe making it big there and i'm like you know if there was an opportunity yeah i might try it see what it's like and i don't know um how filipino filmmaking uh approach works so that'd be interesting to see I'm only exposed to sort of the um, Canadian, American, and then less so, I guess, more British side of things. But I don't really know too much about the Filipino side of things. So it'd be interesting just to see it. Um, But yeah, that would be my take on that. Nice. And I would would consider traveling for work. Absolutely. So... Yeah, I'm not even going to go into a huge thing because it's all good. Because <laughs> uh, I'd probably just reiterate what you guys said. Um, so, yeah, like one of the things, I guess, before we kind of like wrap up like the main topic of our discussion and then we kind of can just chat after this. We always ask all of our guests on the podcast how they define success, because I think it's really interesting looking at each specific person um, for the listeners to hear how everybody else defines success, because I think it can be so broad and so different. So, um what do you guys feel like is a success in your eyes in terms of a project? So the project is done. It, it has legs. It doesn't have legs. Like how, how do, um, how do you view success in relation to the film industry for yourself? Why doesn't Will start off with this one? (laughs) Do you know I would answer yet either? Uh, okay. Um, right. Even if it's just like, um, even if you just look at it as, a, so as with, in with, happiness. As in a singular project, an, an isolated project. Okay. Um, could be, could could not be. It's up to you. <sighs> it's it's weird. It's difficult. Um, the way the way I tend to gauge my projects, and this is so sentimental and soppy, is that um, if I watch my film, and I tend to try and watch it on a really really big screen when I'm doing the final the final like uh, QC of it. Um, if I watch the whole film. And then I get to the credits, and I can watch my name pop up without like looking away. <laughs> then I think it's a success because I'm proud of it. I'm, I'm I'm happy I've made something that I can sit through and think, yeah, wow, no, that's that was worth watching. Doesn't happen that often, if I'm very honest, unfortunately, because I I dislike a lot of films that I make, um, but not even like from a, a self-creator point of view, like a writer-director. Like if I watch any of my films now or watch back anything that I've written in the past, I will probably watch it and go, oh, good Lord, I'm about, I need to move into, like, retail or hospitality right now because I'm not made for this. But um, other films, like, I watch that I've AD'd, if I can if I can sit through it and watch it and be immersed in it and be part of the story, even though I was on set every day, every second, <laughs> watching take after take after take of the same thing happening... And then still at the end of it all, sit back, watch the film and go, wow, yeah, no, this was this was worth every second of that and worth every second of me screaming at people for not being on, on, on time. I don't scream at people really, but um, 
if I could, yeah, I think the general way of summarizing that entire ramble is if I can sit through the film at the end of it all and go, yeah, yeah, no, I, I know why I'm doing this, then I consider that a success. Nice. What about you, Josh? Um, I think, I know this is going to sound horrible, but it's it's true. I think a lot of what a success is in a project is what other people think of it. Because we don't, we don't make films for ourselves. We make films for other people to watch. We make films to entertain others. And I think it's, um, you know, if, if we did make films just for ourselves, they'd stay in a very closed-in loop, and it would just be, you know, why, why are we doing this just for ourselves? I mean, you could if you wanted to, but you can't make a lot of money off of that and build your life. Um, but if you, if, I think it does rely on, you know. If you show your film to someone, doesn't matter who, it could be your family, doesn't matter if it's an audience of one person or an audience of 500 people, and someone comes back and goes, yeah, I really enjoyed that, then I think that's a success. If you've entertained someone and someone saw your film and they liked it, it doesn't matter who it is or how many people, I think that kind of is um, a success because you've made something that people enjoy, which is kind of what you do in the film industry. Or, you know, even they leave they leave watching your film with an emotion that you wanted to imply on them. I think that works. Yeah, definitely. With my most recent film, it just recently screened publicly for like the second time. The first time it was kind of like closed, more closed. This was the first like public advertised version of it being screened. And um, I had like following the screening, I had like a over a half an hour conversation with someone that was really touched by my film and had so many questions and was just like really enthralled with the world building. And that to me was a success, a success because like, I don't know, it just, it just felt really good that it touched somebody enough that they wanted to talk to me about the movie for that long. So that was great. But like, if it never has any other legs in the world, like that's okay with me because I think it was worth it to, you know, have that one person be really affected by it in a sense. Yeah. Um, especially on like such a low budget, you know, indie level as the film is, right? So, yeah. No, I totally agree with that, Josh. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, that's all I got on my package. How's everybody doing? I actually have. Um... <laughs> So I, I, it says here on like the package Q and A part. So I something that I want to ask uh, Will and Josh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Um, oh, oh. What do we? Not more fog. Not more London fog. Scott can make. Um, what London as fog? creators like? What kind of stories do you guys like to tell? Like for example, okay, I'll, I'll start I guess with that question. Uh, I like to focus <laughs> on comedy sci-fi stuff. When I'm if it's like me. Uh, you know, what kind of film do you want to make? Chances are it's going to be told in the genre of comedy or sci-fi or a little bit of both. Um, for you guys, what do you guys, what kind of stories do you guys like to tell? I love making people laugh. But at the same time, I love making people cry. Again, I know that sounds so horrible, <laughs> but it is so rewarding when... When you see audiences you, cry. <laughs> when you've made someone like a character so much... And then that take it all when away. they that when they <laughs> die they feel like they've lost a relative there is nothing more rewarding <laughs> than I that agree. um i, I like martin <laughs> i like i like making people laugh but i also like getting people attached to my characters and my stories so i think 
as long as I can tell a story that transports people out of everyone's day-to-day stressful life and lets them live something a little different, a little more exciting, and gets them transported into a different world, I think I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm very much in the same vein of like I. The one thing I like to make people do mostly, though, is think in a weird, in a weird sort of way. Um, possibly about things they wouldn't think of, or possibly about areas where people just purposely don't think of uh, during their day-to-day lives because they like to ignore it, like most of the problems in the world, because you can't live your life worrying the whole time. But sometimes, just sometimes, you need to worry a little bit because, like, the ocean's full of plastic and stuff. But um, the I've gone through a weird little shift recently because I always used to write films, and I did it in unintentionally. I always used to write films about parent and offspring relationships. I don't know why. I wouldn't stop writing films about fathers and sons, fathers, mothers, daughters, all of them, every one of them. But um, I've, I've recently shifted to a lot more surreal, surreal drama, trying to tell stories about the everyday in otherworldly settings or in extreme over-exaggerated scenarios and stuff like that. So that's kind of, that's kind of what I like to do. See, I'd like to say I like to make films that make people think, but honestly, I don't think I'm smart enough to do that. Like the final project that I just worked on, I produced. What are you um, my director Tristan is like he created this world that is like full of puzzles and just so weird and strange and wonderful that when people watch it, the people who have seen it so far get like so enthralled into it and have so many questions and. Like, I would love to be able to do something like that, but I don't think I have a smart enough mind for it. Like, Tristan's takes, pretty brilliant takes, to do that. It takes that. such a long time and I, a lot of forethought and planning. And it's for me, it's never a one-person thing. I've got two people that I will always go to for script advice, and they are saints. They are gods among men, and I honestly couldn't do a lot of what I do without them. So a lot of it is working with other people for me because yeah. I cannot I cannot tell the stories I want to tell by myself because it's too it's always a bit too insular. Yeah. Yeah. Mhm. Definitely. I I find that too like I love collaborating on like a script level with people because I think the ideas flesh out so much more when you work with other people. Right. Um what was I going to say? Man, I was I was going to go back to what you were saying Will about like writing about like parent child relationships because yeah. I found that I also sort of did that in a weird way for like a good couple of my first films because it was kind of about how it like a lot of my first movies that I ever made was about how like kids were sort of rejecting sort of rejecting the idea of having to grow up in a lot of ways like in my films and kind of feeling like there were a lot of limitations that were put on them by adults and I don't necessarily know like I can't look at my childhood and and pinpoint exactly like what caused that to be like something that I wanted to write about like I I have an idea like I I come from a divorced family so abandonment is definitely like a portion of like growing up so I I could see how that would kind of feed in in some way Mm. but I never like had a super unhealthy relationship with like you know either parent parents in general like where i was like fuck parents or something like that was never a thing so i wonder kind of if there's some connections between like certain people's pasts and how that feeds into their creating it's it's weird because i'm in this i'm in the same scenario like i have a wonderful relationship with both my mom and my dad and i've had lecturers be like will is your is, is your relationship with your father okay because you keep writing films about 
dads and sons. And I, it's fine. Like, I, I'm also from a divorced family, but there was no real drama. I was four. I don't remember it. So I don't really know where else it is coming from. Like you, I can't particularly pinpoint it. I don't think you can ever pinpoint it. I think it's something just within us that wants to tell that story. And I think that's what the beautiful thing is about uh, filmmakers who are good at telling stories is that they were born to do it. They take their life events and they can meld it into a story without really making it recognizable yeah. uh, to them. And I think that's what filmmaking is in some way is just taking your own experiences and turning them into something else. Uh, sometimes you don't notice it, but I think everyone's kind of impacted by, by what they experience when they, when they write it and just writing for a lot of people is how they process it. Yeah. I'm going to go with that. What he said makes us sound really good. Yeah. That was really inspiring. Good job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, for reals. <laughs> That was a very sarcastic good job. <laughs> I know. Apparently, apparently, whenever I'm like being serious, people think I'm joking or vice versa. Really? I don't know what that is. Really? Yeah, apparently. Oh my Jermel God. told me that the other day. He was like, you have a really dry sense of humor. And I was like, oh. Maybe that's why we get along because British people and dry sense of humor go together so well. I don't know. When I was over there, I got offended constantly by y'all. So I don't know. <laughs> okay, why do they? Why do they? Why do they call it a dry sense of humor? What's What's a moist sense of humor? You don't. Well, it's you don't dry because know. you're not really doing much with your voice. You're just like I don't know. Yeah, that's why people think what? I am constantly being sarcastic. But the, but then what's a moist sense of humor? You don't want to know. You don't ask. <laughs> don't ask. Just like super salty, or like super. Like a super moist, Are you guessing? Wet sense I feel of like humor. you're guessing. I really feel like you're guessing. It's just like you're underwater, but humor underwater. Okay. So you're like drowning in your own like, you're you're just you're, you're kind of like okay. me right now, where you're just kind of going on a tangent, digging a hole, and it's you're in a in the water, drowning. All right. Um. <laughs> <laughs> where did that go? <laughs> See. Does Jermail have any other questions? Yeah, Jermail. Oh, yeah. Far away. Uh, You're there. Yeah. Ask some questions. Questions, I guess. Um, do you guys have projects right now going on? What, uh, yeah, what's happening like, in your life? Like lives? personal projects. What's your next story going to be about? Stuff like that. Tell us about that. I want to hear that. Uh, it's weird because I've literally just I've literally just come off the tail end of three consecutive projects for other people and my one for myself. Um, so I'm currently now at the weird phase of like, cool, let's start trying to not necessarily force an idea but encourage the creation of one so we're currently having a little me and a couple of other people are having a little think of what we want to make now um because like i say it's literally just been the end of a, a last project we signed off on it not or two ago so mm. but i've always got scripts in the back of my head like oh my god i was about to start talking about one and i just realized it's another Father son script, incredible. Um, <laughs> oh my oh gosh. No. It's, uh, it's about a. Uh, oh god, I've, it's totally written about myself, and I've realized this just now. Um, it's about a kid who is living in the inner city and goes back to his countryside and talks to his dad, and a lot of weird, weird stuff starts happening. A lot of surrealist, big fish, like creepy character, not creepy characters, but weirdly otherworld characters that start representing um, a lot of the things that have happened whilst. The guy's been away from his hometown. A lot of stuff's changed. A lot of stuff is different. And I'm still trying to formulate pretty much what I'm going to do with it. But I've got a basis of an idea. And that was really vague and uh, really dull. So I, I'm sorry for that. 
I, I can nice. I can kind of see where that goes. Yeah, yeah, I can see like what you mean in terms of like bit being about you. Yeah, I, I can see how the relation there. It's pretty good. Yeah, interesting. How about you, Josh? Um, I'm currently working on my Vancouver Film School final project. Uh, it's called Ladies and Gentlemen, We Are Floating in Space. And basically it's about a teenage kid who is not very fulfilled with life. He's kind of bored. And one day he gets a radio broadcast that no one else can hear. And it's kind of like the one thing he was looking for to make his life more interesting. And it gives him the inspiration to keep going, keep digging. There's lots of puzzles. There's lots of questions whether or not what he's seeing is real. It's it's a bit of a mind trip when you watch it, but it's it's really fun. It's really interesting. It's a great collaboration project between so many different people from across the country. Our director, Tristan, who I mentioned, is from Mississauga. Our editors from Newfoundland. Our production designers from Toronto. Our cinematographers from Alberta. And our AD is originally from Quebec. So literally coast to coast, just everyone from That's across cool. the country coming together to do this. So it's a really cool project. Uh, and yeah, we're hoping to do a festival run, uh, up until October of next year. So look out for it. Yeah. That sounds, uh, yeah. sounds cool. That sounds cool. I have a question. Um, yes. Yeah. Why is it called Newfoundland instead of Newfoundland? I don't, we don't it's, know either. It's actually Newfoundland. That's even weirder. That doesn't make any sense. No, it's it Newfoundland. <laughs> it's Newfoundland. Understand Newfoundland. Isn't it? Newfoundland. Isn't it spelled Newfoundland? Yeah, yes, it is. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Newfoundland. Okay, but, so Newfoundlanders, Newfoundlanders are basically if the Scottish and the Irish came to Canada and never lost their accents. <laughs> so they yeah. they say very weird things. Newfoundland. Have, Newfoundland? They have, it's like a whole new language. So they've shortened the word found to fund. So it's Which is Scottish as hell, yeah. Stay where you're at till I comes where you're too. Yeah, you should beat my editor. He that comes up with weird. lots of different terms. What my favorite one That's is... That's like a saying he, there, yeah. He says, uh, Floss a Banshee. That's my favorite one. Floss a Banshee. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. So, yeah, it's basically like Irish-Scottish people in Canada. So they're kind of like, they have the accent, but they kind of don't. And they're it's like the Maritimes, so there's lots of fishing. And yeah, it's, right. it's very different from... It's Winnipeg actually a areas. wonderful place. It's it is wonderful. so lovely. So, so guys, um, we have been here for quite a while, and I feel like we have to end the episode here. I Thank you so much <laughs> for joining. For yeah, yes, go to sleep. Will is <laughs> six hours ahead of us. It is now seven o'clock, so it is now one o'clock. He's from the future. Oh my god! Off one in yeah. the morning, and I he's living in tomorrow. Nothing happens for the next no, he's, eight hours of he's your day. Not. not much happens. Okay. Um, I'm living in so, tomorrow. It's Thursday. Tell me the lottery numbers. Quick. <laughs> no, that's against the time travel rules. We're not allowed to do that. Sorry. We have rules for this kind of shit. So uh, we're going to sign off now. So um, Josh, where can people that are listening to this find you um, on social media or on the web? Best if they want to get in touch with you or see your stuff. Best place to find me would honestly be on my website, which is joshuahoodproductions.com. Um, I have LinkedIn too. I know that's really sad, but that's where I do most of my networking off of because all my other social media is basically private. But again, my website, joshwoodproductions.com is the best place to find me and my work and get in touch with me. I didn't know you had this website. That looks so nice. What the heck? The things I find out when I'm on the podcast. Yes, they're wonderful. 
Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, social media for you, or are you kind of like, nah? It's uh, it's all private. Honestly, the best way okay. to find me is just on that website. Cool. Will, what about you? This is real bad timing because I'm uh, I'm launching my website soon. Not yet though. Um, so you'll eventually be able to go to a website called willgarud.com, which is hilariously simple. Um, that we'll put it in the show notes. That will be eventually where you can go. Uh, probably not for a few weeks or so, but um, uh, if not, uh, just my Twitter handle, which you will find a multitude of things: some film stuff sometimes, political stuff other times. Um, but it's just at Garudi Rudy. You can you can try and guess how to spell that, or just check the show notes. Yeah, and uh, this episode will be airing August twenty fourth, so. You might even have it up by then. So we'll just put it in the show notes so they can go visit it. Cool. The uh, website. Uh, Jamel, they can find you where? Uh, you can find me in several places. Uh, main one would be vimeo.com slash Jamel Pasqua. Uh, I've got my projects there. Um, my current one's privated because I'm trying to give it a festival run, see if I could. Um, otherwise, for social media stuff, Twitter, Instagram, uh, you can find me at Jamel underscore P. And yeah, you just be able to see those. Um, my Twitter is barely film related though. Just keep that in mind. It's literally just like a bunch of like stupid tweets and memes. So um, same here. So that's yeah. fun. But my Instagram is a bit more artsy, I guess you could say. So there's that. But if we're going to see my actual projects and stuff like that, Vimeo. Yeah, you can find me at Vimeo, Instagram, Twitter, <clears throat> Facebook, wherever you're looking for me at uh, whatever the website is slash Miranda Moroz. That's the handle I use on everything. And my films are on Vimeo, so you can check me out there. And uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today, guys. It was great to have you, um, having your perspectives. We hope that we get to have you on another time because this was really fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. You can find us at ATCT Show on social media, and you can also find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, and Spotify. You can also find us on other third-party podcast apps that use uh, iTunes um, direct to post. So um, this has been an episode with some good humans, and we'll see you next week um, for another episode. So, all right, guys. We're signing off. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Miranda from the Around the Craft Table team, and you've just heard Season 2, Episode 8, Around the Globe We Go. This week's episode was executive produced and edited by Miles A. Taylor. It was executive produced and directed by myself, Miranda Moroz. It featured myself and Jermel Pasqua as panelists and special guests, Joshua Hood and Will Garud. We hope you enjoyed this episode this week and hope you stick around for next week. We're pretty excited for you to hear these conversations we've all had and hope to spark some new conversations about filmmaking within your own circle of friends, collaborators, or just in the comments section. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and most third-party podcast apps as well. Connect with us on social media at ATCT Show, or just send us an email at crafttablepodcast at gmail.com if you have any important questions or requests. We'd love to hear from you. Bye-bye.